0: Well, good morning, church. Uh, next week, I want to encourage you, uh, as you come back to, uh, just be praying for Brian as he's preaching. And, and I love it when Brian preaches. He does a great job. Uh, he calls himself the JV pastor, and I wish he wouldn't do that. Um, and I've, I've like scolded him a couple of times. Hey, stop doing that. You're a good preacher. You do well. And, uh, I will be, uh, in the midst, uh, actually, one week from today, in an hour and a half or so, uh, I will be standing before my son and future daughter-in-law performing a wedding ceremony. So we're excited about that, even though it's gone from high numbers to just basically immediate family now due to everything that's gone on. Um, we look forward to next Sunday. And so I know he's preaching on joy. We will be experiencing joy. And so we look forward to that and ask for your prayers as things continue to move forward. Um, with that being said... You think about starting a new life. Um, Imagine a house that is just filled with, I don't know, all kinds of, we're just going to say clutter. It's a mess. Um, Things sitting around that maybe is out of dated. It's maybe no longer in fashion. And maybe some of you don't have to even imagine. Maybe some of you have a room like this. But here's the thing. What if somebody's coming over to your house next week, maybe tomorrow, and this is your room that they're going to step into would you do something about it would you sort of look at the mess and say okay i got there's things in here i don't need anymore i told myself at one time i have to have it i got to have it but here it is in a big box or boxes Or maybe there's stuff in there you just want to unclutter and, you know, you start looking around and say, but I don't want to touch it because it's sort of scary. Because if I open up that box, I might find something that I don't want to look at, I don't want to see. Who knows? There might be something smelly, something moldy. There might be, I don't know, spiders or even mice in it. I don't know. Don't want to touch it. Or maybe you're looking around the room and you're saying, I know the wallpaper on here from 1970 is pretty cool. But it's outdated and it needs to be updated and everybody says I need to, but I, I'm sort of grown used to it. I sort of like it. It feels comfortable. What would you do in preparing for that arrival? Where do you even start, right? Let's, let's change the image here and go from that of a house to your heart. Our hearts are filled with all kinds of clutter as well. Things maybe we don't want. Things that we've said, I really need this in my life and then as we get older or something happens we're like I really don't need that. Or maybe our our hearts are, are filled with some scary things that have crept in, and we've just sort of allowed it to lodge itself in a certain place of our heart, and we don't want to deal with it. We don't like confrontation. We don't like something that took place, and we just we're not going to touch it. Or may, maybe our heart has some things that are out. It's outdated. You know, back in the day, that's who I was, and I've sort of held on to it instead of allowing God to clean it up. Basically, what I'm saying is. In our hearts, maybe we have allowed lies and fear and maybe other clutter of self-control to fill up our hearts so much that we have no room for Jesus Christ when he's like knocking and wanting to come in. I know we're all familiar with the song Joy to the World, but help me out with this. Put the lyrics up there. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart, what? Prepare him room. That's the song we sing at Christmas time. We're going to prepare him room. But are we? Are we preparing him room? I mean, that's a great Christmas hymn. But are we preparing room in our hearts for Jesus Christ? Part of the amazing Christmas story is that in the Old Testament, there are these guys by the name of prophets. The prophets came preparing the people with the good news that God was going to come save them. Micah prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be born of a virgin. In Genesis, we read that Jesus would come from the descendant of Abraham. Jeremiah says Jesus would be born in the middle of the worst kind of human suffering— all these prophets and many more said, prepare yourself. Prepare your hearts. There's a God who loves you and he's coming to save you. But then we get to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, God arranged a man by the name of John the Baptist to prepare the arrival of Jesus Christ. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. We're going to be reading through some scripture shortly here. While you're turning there, I want you to think about another visual here. Christmas cards. I mean, this is the time of the year when actually the balance system gets used pretty heavily. And you start getting Christmas cards or you start sending out Christmas cards. And think of all the various Christmas cards that come your direction. Some of you maybe put them on a fridge, on a wall somewhere. But as you look at all these Christmas cards, they have incredible decorations a lot of times, a decorative biblical message. Maybe it's uh, the nativity uh, silhouette of Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. Maybe it's the wise men, and it's like, with the saying? Wise men still seek him. Maybe it's the star piercing the darkness over the stable in the manger, but we have all these incredible visuals of Christmas cards. Are you following me on this? Are you picturing some right now? Now, somebody tell me, have you ever seen one with John the Baptist on it? Like I mean, like he's out in the middle of the Judean area near the Jordan River, and he's got his he's looking pretty scraggly, not if that is such a word, but he's looking really rough, and, and he's like, repent. Merry Christmas. Yeah, has anybody seen a Christmas card like that? No. But the amazing thing is, when you look at the book of Mark, instead of a Bethlehem, choirs of angels, Mark begins the story of Jesus with. John the Baptist. Let's read. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says this This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness Prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. The messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and he preached that people should be baptized to show that they have repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. All of Judea, including the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. John the Baptist was preparing the way. It began with all the prophets in the Old Testament. Prepare the way, prepare the way, prepare the way. And then John the Baptist comes out and says, I'm preparing the way. I've got some good news. I mean, that's why the angels sang. That's why the shepherds rejoiced. That's why the wise men worshiped. Because they had good news. Of course, it's only good news if it's good news for you. Let me help you understand this. If I'm a a very talented athlete, and I'm on the basketball team, and I play every game, I'm a start and all that, and the coach says, hey, just want to let you know you're starting tonight. Okay, thanks, coach. That's not good news for me. I'm already expecting it, right? But if I'm an athlete who's not very talented, I don't get to play much, and the coach comes up to me and says, you're starting tonight. That's good news for me. If I'm rich, got millions in my pocket, and I see a $20 bill on the ground, I might pick it up. I don't know. Maybe I'll let it go. It's, it's just 20 bucks. It's not a piece of currency. It's not good news for me. Now, if I'm in need and want, I don't have much money, and I see a $20 bill on the ground, you know what that is? That's good news. See, good news is for those who need good news. Are you following me, church? With that being said, it's good news when you read through the Bible and discover that it's full of bad news for all of us. What is that bad news? Let me sort of sum it up here. Bad news is, first of all, separation from God. We were created in the image of God. We were created to have fellowship with God. We were created to be with Him. But our sin, our mistakes, separates us from God. That's bad news. And the bad news is that we're also then unable to function as we are created to. Because I'm separated from God, I can't have the ability to be in His presence and fellowship as I should. So I've got a lot of inability going on in my life. The bad news is that I'm starting to think I can do whatever I need to do on my own. I've become very delusional thinking I can do it my way when God says we need to do it His way. That's bad news. Bad news is that our separation from God, our, our inability, our delusional thinking, basically leads us to judgment. We see, when you're separated from God because of our sin... That leads to judgment. That's bad news. And that bad news basically sum it up, is summed up as this. We're in a state of hopelessness, church. When you look at all that bad news, that's why, look at what Ephesians 2.12 says. Look at the screen. It says, In those days, you were living apart from Christ. That's that separation. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises that God made to them. You lived in this world Without God and without hope. That's us, church. Without God, apart from God, we have no hope. We have no peace. If our hearts are too cluttered and our lives are too busy, there's no room to receive this good news. i got so much stuff going on in my life right now that God's trying to deliver the good news but I'm a little busy right now and he can't come in because my room is full. The question is, are we ready to receive that good news? If we are, which I think we all are, we need to do what? We need to prepare him room like we sing in that song, right? Allow God's Spirit to unclutter some of the things in our lives. So let's begin with this part of the good news. Isaiah chapter 6, verse, uh, chapter 6, starting in verses 1 through 4, says this. I saw the Lord... He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Church, listen, the Lord is holy. Holy means to be separated from. The Old Testament, if you go back and you read, like when the priests, when they would go into the temple to worship God, there are certain sections they could go. The high priest eventually could get into the Holy of Holies at a certain time, but he had to be all these purification rituals that he had to go through. They even tied a rope around his foot so that when he went into the Holy of Holies, if he did not present himself correctly to God... And he was struck dead on the spot. They could use the rope and pull his body out. That's how serious it was to go before God who is holy. Now, as we look at this, though, understand this. We get to the New Testament and we find out, can anybody fit the description? Can anybody else here be holy? No, except one, Jesus Christ. We read in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, it says this. There were many priests... Under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. In other words, these priests came and went. They lived and they died. But, verse 24, because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lives forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He's the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, blameless, unstained by sin. He's been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Church, listen, basically what I'm saying is this. God is a holy one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. God the Son comes to earth. He is also the holy one. We read in John chapter 6, verses 16 and 69, Peter looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, where would we go? You you have the words that give what? Eternal life. Listen to what Peter says. We believe and we know you're the Holy One of God. His disciples, God, it's like, standing before us right now is Jesus Christ, the Holy One of God, a direct image, picture of God the Father. His holiness Jesus Christ gives us hope and peace. He gives us good news. Why is that? Because unlike the other priests in the Old Testament we would read, they'd enter into the presence of God and they'd give thanks, right? Every so often. We now can do this on a daily basis. When we confess our sins, Jesus clothes us with his righteousness. Basically, listen, church. When we confess our sins to God, He makes us right with God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5.23 says this, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That, church, is good news. The prophets of old. John the Baptist, come along to him. Let me prepare you. Let me prepare you. There's a God, a holy one, who loves you. You've been separated from him. He wants to save you. The question is, will you receive him? And because Jesus is both divine and human, he makes the perfect connection between us and God. He is unique. Born of a virgin, seated by the Holy Spirit. Unique. Unique. And we sit there and think, when there's a split between us and God, who's the one that's going to connect us? Who's going to bring the separation and get rid of that separation? It's Jesus. Jesus is the one that connects divinity and humanity and allows us to experience this good news. That's good news, church. Why do I start here? Like, I probably preach salvation a lot, but we've got to get this. okay? The first part of uncluttering our lives and preparing room for peace to come into our life, we've got to have peace with God. There's no way I can have peace with you, you can have peace with each other, unless you have peace with God first. And when we receive that good news, we have peace. But I'm sure many of you are still sitting here saying, okay, Rex, I have prayed, I've confessed to a holy God. He has forgiven me of my sins. I have peace with God. I still don't have that peace going on around here right now. Even though we talked about Philippians chapter 4 verses what? 4 to 8? At the very beginning of our quarantine time and we're watching online, preaching through Philippians, we talked about peace and now we're getting to Christmas and I was thinking, peace would have been here by now, right? But yet, no, guess what? There's still things that bring chaos, disruption, fear into our lives that Sort of robs us of peace. Sometimes our hearts get a little bit cluttered with fear more than it should. But let's be, let's be honest. We all get scared of something. We all get jumpy at something, right? It, it doesn't matter what it is. Little things provoke us into fear. We're sitting around at night, maybe, and it's dark, and you hear that little something in the house, like, what was that? And all of a sudden everybody's got, got that little fear going on, right? Or you're driving down the road and you hear about something, you're like, wait, what would have happened there? And, and oh, you're, you just got the email about somebody or the text about something, and then, oh, fear comes again. It just keeps coming in and coming in. Let's remember this. When the shepherds were out at the, with their flocks by night, as we sing, right? And it was a dark night. Do you think maybe they would have heard a noise in the bush? And they're like, it could be an animal. Get our sheep. Their hearts probably jumped a little bit, right? They probably had a little bit of fear. But how do you think their hearts felt when all of a sudden that dark night was lit up with an army of angels singing? Oh, they were scared. That's why the angels said what? Fear not. Mary was scared. I'm going to have to, I'm going to raise the son of God. She's probably scared of what people think of her. How is she going to do this? Joseph, he had fear. Uh, what will people think if I marry you and, and that's not my kid and, and, and how am I going to handle this? And what will people think? There's all kinds of fear in the Christmas story. Which was like, and here's the thing, Mary and Joseph probably had peace with God, right? But they were still experiencing a lot of unrest and uneasiness around them, as we do now. Listen, what we face in life is never bigger than God. You hear me, church? All of us in here who claim to be believers in Jesus Christ, we got the Spirit of God in us. And whatever you're fearing right now, whatever's robbing you of peace right now, it is not bigger than God. God is bigger than all this junk. Let me use the words of a great philosopher, his name is Bob. God's bigger than a boogeyman. How's that? Okay? (laughs) I mean, seriously, we, we need to think about this. Sometimes we get all worked up. It's like, do you really think this is bigger than God? What you're going through right now, you don't think God can handle? He can. He can. And when we look at it, there's nothing more frustrating like this. Showing up to take a test. And you're getting ready to take a test. And it's like, uh, I didn't study this. Anybody been there? Wait, wait, the teacher's giving me this. We never covered this in class. You never taught us this, teacher, and and we're taking a test on it now? You have been there? Let me me tell you something. Right now in your heart, you're thinking, automatic failure. Just put a big fat F over there because I'm I'm not going to do this, right? But let me tell you something. God, don't play that game. God never gives you a test that he's not already given you the lesson for. He gives us basically anything that comes our way that feels like a test— he gives us his word, his book. So whatever comes our way is, guess what? It's always an open book test. Oh, I got this question here. I'm not sure how to handle it. You know what? But I've got the answer right here and he will help me find it. Oh, there's some peace, right? You know, this, this week, I, I, I had the, you know, sermons ready to roll. Got to pretty much figured out this is the way it's going. Halfway through the week, and it could have been somewhat of a turbulent week. I was listening to another uh, me- a message because uh, I myself, you know, you come here on Sundays and you get to hear me share God's word with you, and I get to pour into your direction. The question of who's pouring into me? So through the week, I will listen to things. that will pour into me, and I heard a message that poured into me, and I'm going, how can I not share this with you? So basically, halfway through the week, I just like s- scratch the last part of the sermon. And I want to share some thoughts that came out of that message that I listened to. And God sort of mended some things together in my heart with this. And, and I want to share this with you because this spoke volumes to me. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. In Mark 4, uh, it's a passage I know I've referenced, I've I've preached on before. And Jesus had been teaching and instructing the people around him. And then he tells his disciples, hey, we're going to get in a boat and we're going to cross over to the lake, Okay. So if you read with me, it says in verse 35, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking in the boat. It began to fill with water. Picture this for a moment. These are, these disciples in there, some of them are experienced fishermen. They knew what these storms felt like, right? But this storm was fierce, and they're crossing over a 13-mile lake, but probably where they're crossing was probably more like five miles, I think. So regardless, you're going to cross the middle of the lake. You're two and a half miles away from shore, let's say. And it got bad, real bad, and it scared them. And I'm going to tell you right now, there are moments in all of our lives right now when we feel like we're in the middle of a storm. Our boat has been rocked. Somebody said somebody something. Somebody did something. You're going in a situation right now, and it's like, I'm not experiencing peace right now. I feel like there's a storm going on. Disruption, adversity, chaos. But here's the thing, church, and you probably, and if you're like me in those moments, you're like, but I'm a Christian. Why am I experiencing this? I'll tell you why. Because we can still be in the will of God and still be in a storm. These disciples were what? Jesus said, hey, come on, let's get in the boat, right? And they got in the boat, and they what? Were in a storm. They were in the will of God. They were with Jesus, and they were still in a storm. Jonah disobeyed God; he ended up in a storm. The disciples got into a storm because they obeyed Jesus. I don't know if we think sometimes it's because we're followers of Christ, we're exempt from storms. We're not. Let me ask you this: When you're sitting in the classroom at school, who has to take the test in the classroom? The A students. C students, the failing students, who takes, who takes the test? Everyone. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good of a student you are not, everybody takes the test. It doesn't matter where you are in your faith, everybody gets tested. Everybody faces a storm. We're not exempt from storms. And during this storm, where's Jesus? Anyone know where he's at? Look at verse 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Oh, the teacher is silent. You ever feel like that? As you're, you're taking your test in school, and it's like, you look up at the teacher, and they're just sitting at their desk. They're not saying a word. And you're like, I'm stuck on problem number one. Teacher, teacher. And is the teacher going to? Yes, can I help you? No, the teacher's not going to say anything, right? Why? Because you're taking a test. Their job is to remain silent and for you to take the test. And sometimes as Christians, when we're in the middle of our storms, in the middle of our tests, we're like, God, God, and God's like, how come God's not answering my prayer? Because He's watching. You've been taught how to handle the storm, and He's given you an open book to find the answer. But you're like sitting there thinking, He's got to give you the answer, and He's already given you the ability to find the answer. Well, Jesus is sleeping. And the wind didn't wake him up. The waves crashing over the sea didn't wake him up. The water on his feet didn't wake him up. It was the cries of the disciples that woke him up. Sort of like a mom. Some of you moms, you can sleep through anything. But as soon as that baby's just a little bit, of, you're like, oh, the baby's awake. You know when your baby's awake. and Jesus knows when his disciples need him. And he instantly awakes. And look at verse 38. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? <laughs> don't you care that we're going to drown? you're like, well, we're in a test. We're in a storm. It's easy to feel angry at God. God, don't you care that I'm going through this right now? God, don't you know what I'm experiencing right now? And God's guy's like, I know, and I care, right? And when we're in a crisis, there are those times we feel like he doesn't care, but he does care. He does care. Look at verse 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Silence or peace. The Greek word is actually siopao, which means mute. Some of you got those buttons on your remotes at home, don't you? It's getting pretty loud in there and somebody's trying to talk. You can't hear them and you just grab it. And all you just, one, one little movement, one little click. And it is quiet. Jesus stood up and peace, boom, mute button, storm stopped. Everything went from chaos to peace. Here's what I want you to hear. If God can control the peace in the storm around us, guess what else he controls? He controls the peace within us. Just as he calms the storm outside, he calms the storm inside, and that's what he's doing here. And not just to us, but to others as well. Because when God brings us peace as Christians, the world around looks at us and say, man, you look pretty peaceful. What's going on in your life? That's our moment to say, I've got good news from God. I've got a relationship with him and he's giving me now peace. But you're in a storm. I know, but I still got some peace. You know who's going to say that? Everybody that's around you right now. Why do I say that? Because when I'm looking through scripture, and I can't believe I didn't see this before, but there's a verse there, verse 36. It says, so they took Jesus in the boat. They started out leaving the crowds behind Although other boats followed. When I read this story, I've always thought it was just Jesus in that one boat out in the middle of the storm. It was Jesus' this one boat, and a bunch of other boats were in that same storm. We just didn't know about them. But it says here, other boats were following him. They're experiencing the same storm. And guess what? Not only did they experience the same storm, they experienced the same peace. And the disciples were able to that day be a testimony. To the people around them, verse forty. Then he asked them. Jesus asked his disciples, "Why are you afraid? You still have no faith, isn't that funny? <laughs> why are you afraid?" They're like, "Were you not just in the storm with us, Jesus? Did you not see this is a joke, right? You just you're pulling my leg now because you're like you're asking me why are we afraid? You know why we're afraid, right?" He's asking why, really, and, and again, it doesn't make sense. But I think he sometimes is trying to wake us up to like, why are we afraid? Let's go back to that. God's bigger than the boogeyman, right? He's bigger than all that we got. Remember, they're with Jesus. He's like, why are you afraid? Did you forget I'm right here? We do that, don't we? We forget Jesus is right with us. Remember, we can be in the will of God and we can be in a storm at the same time. It happens. It happens. And then he says this, for those of you with Not little faith, but no faith. He goes, remember the word of God. Remember the word of God. Look at this. Think about this. What did Jesus say before they left? When they were getting in the boat, you go back to verse 35. What did Jesus say? He said, let's get in the boat and let's go to the other side. That's what he said. It wasn't, hey guys, let's get in the boat and let's go halfway across the lake and sink and die. Y'all in? No, what did he say? Let's get in the boat and do what? Go to the other side. See, what Jesus promises, what Jesus says, Jesus plans to follow through with. He's like, why do you have little faith? Actually, he said, why do you have no faith? Did you forget what I said? Did you forget my promise? I told you we're going to the other side. It might get stormy in somewhere in between in your life, but this is where we're going to end up. And you've got to trust me. He promised the disciples... That they would cross. They would cross over to the other side. The test is, do you believe his word or the things around you? Here's the problem. We tend to forget what God was saying and we're just looking at everything around us like, this stinks. This is horrible. I can't believe this. I have no peace. And it's like, yeah, that's called a storm. But what did Jesus promise? God reminds us, hey, you know what? This virus is real. I don't know why. I don't think I've ever said this to anybody. The virus is fake. I've never said that. But it's funny how I will get a message, a text, or I see somebody post, and say, hey, this virus is real. Yeah, I knew that. And, And unemployment is real, and quarantine is real, and isolation is real, pain is real. Everything that we've all, all been experiencing over these past nine months has been very real, right? The storms are real. But God says what? I'm Lord over all this. All of it. All of it. And we're to trust him. And he said it to us, do you believe it? He's like, God said, hey, we're going to make this. We're going to make it. Do you believe me? It's going to be okay. you going to trust me? And we're like, amen. Yes, yes. Listen, church, it's time for us to stop letting our amens just be amens. And it's time we start living it out. We can't just go around saying, that was a good message. That's a good word. That's good truth. Let's post this. We got to go beyond that. We got to start living it out. We got to be a message to other people and saying there is peace that we can have. Yes, this is stormy times, but God said we will be okay. And I believe it. Do you? And if you believe it, you will walk in it. If you're not walking it, then maybe you aren't believing it. But here's the thing. You can't stop fear from coming. You can't. I can't stop fear from coming, but you can keep it from coming in. Don't let fear clutter your heart. Joy to the world, right? The Lord has come. Let earth receive her, what? King. Let every heart, what? Prepare him room. Church, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Let peace come in. Let peace come in your heart right now. Maybe it's like, well, I don't don't want to. I just want to be upset about this. Or I don't understand why this is happening. Or I'm I'm still frustrated with, with how this all went. I get it. Let him have it. Let him have control over it. Let peace rule in your heart. Do you really want to be miserable all Christmas? No, thank you. That's the best thing I've heard all day. Worship team, would you come forward on that message right there? You ever wondered, you know, how this all ends? You know, when's Jesus going to come back? You know, the past prophecies gave us hope and peace for the arrival of Christ, and they came true. It's sort of like going to see a, a trailer um, on TV for a movie, you know, they sort of, sort of show you that a movie's coming. And you sort of get bits and pieces of the movie. And then there's a release date for when that movie's coming out. And you're like, oh, the movie's coming out next month. And you get, you sort of have an idea of what's going to happen. And then it comes out and you go and you say, man, that was worth waiting for. That was awesome. Okay, that's like the coming of Jesus. But then you find out there's a sequel. And there's another one coming. And it's going to be released soon. They haven't given a release date yet but it's going to be even better than the first one. You're like, I can't wait for that movie to come out, right? That's the second coming of Jesus. We've experienced the first coming with Jesus coming here to this earth. The second coming is going to be even better. And while we're waiting for that second coming, while we're waiting for that sequel to take place, let peace rule your heart. Let peace rule your heart. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord for being an awesome and mighty God. I thank you, Lord, for giving us peace in stormy times. I thank you, God, that it all began with the fact that we were separated from you and we were apart from you and it's such bad news. But you gave us good news by sending your Son, the Holy One, to rescue us, to save us so that we can have life eternal. And with that eternal life that you've given us, you didn't just leave us with that. God, you gave us your peace your hope and your peace. And in the midst of stormy times, you've promised us, hey, we're going to the other side. So God help us to hang on to that truth. Help us to trust you. I, I know as as God, sometimes it sounds like you're just you're just being silent. You're not answering my prayers. But I know you're there. And I know you've given me your spirit. I know you've given me your word. And it's like an open book test. And you've allowed me to find answers sometimes we've got to share those answers with each other. You are the answer. You give us peace. Thank you, God, for that. And God, if there's somebody in this room this morning that is not at peace right now, maybe there's too much cluttering their heart right now. There's emotions or there's busyness or there's a past experience that somebody did something and there's no peace. God, let let us bring these to you right now, right where we're at, to confess them whether we have to ask for forgiveness or whether we're asking for help. God, remove those from our heart. Get the clutter out. Organize it for us, Lord. Remove the chaos. Remove the disruption. Give us your peace. Let your peace come into our hearts right now, God, so we can worship you. We love you, Lord. In our name we pray. Amen.